0: I want to turn your attention to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth he who descended is also the one in the heavens that he might fill all things and he gave him and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love." I'm going to tell you what you already know. That's a long sentence. That's a long sentence, brothers and sisters. But the Apostle Paul communicates something very important to us in Ephesians chapter 4. I believe it's passages like this that are written to the church. It's written to the church that strengthens us and will be marrowed to our bones and will strengthen the skeletal structure of your faith. The, the very walk and substance of your faith will be strengthened by absorbing what the Apostle Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost communicates to the church here in this passage that we've just read together. And so for a little while on this Sunday evening, I want to be very conscious of your time, but I want to minister from this passage about grace, gifts, and growth. Grace, gifts, and growth. You may be seated. Tonight, I feel impressed in the Holy Ghost, It's funny how things work, how God seems to always be weaving things together in a way that only He can. I want to intersect this season of Pentecost that we're in. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. I want to intersect this season of Pentecost that we're in with what we've been teaching about on Wednesday nights, which is spiritual gifts. And the launch even of an initiative that we're all very excited about, our care teams, that's coming soon. I believe there's a divine intersection of everything the Lord's been dealing with us about and everything the Lord is doing in our midst, and I just believe that this passage speaks to that. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, the beginning of this chapter that we dropped into the middle of a moment ago, The first six verses of this chapter deal with unity. Unity is very important. Growth will not happen without unity. There's a difference between growth and swelling. (laughs) One is healthy and one is not. I don't need to say any more. Growth will not occur without unity. When someone follows the Lord, the scripture says in verse 7 of our chapter that the Lord gives each one of us grace. That's what happens whenever we follow the Lord, whenever we're born again of the water and of the Spirit, we're initiated into the family and the kingdom of God. The book of Ephesians says that in that moment, that God gives each one of us grace. And then when those kinds of people that have received that grace from the Lord gather together like we do on a regular occurrence, the unity of a people like that produces a diversity of gifts. We've been teaching about that on Wednesday nights, how There are a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. And any time a people gather together that have been given grace by the Lord, they come together, and where those people are unified together, you'll naturally, spiritually find that there are a diversity of different gifts. That's what verse 8 tells us in Ephesians chapter 4. And when we lay hold of that grace that God wants to impart into our life, and we start to exercise those gifts, and every part starts to work together. The scripture says in verse 15 of our chapter that what happens is we all grow up into all things. We start to be edified, we start to grow, we start to be healthy, and we start to mature together. I want to follow tonight the Apostle Paul's Ephesians outline as a message for us today. The first that I want to speak about is grace. Grace is where it begins. Chapter, verse 7 of our text tonight in Ephesians chapter 4 says that when we are saved, God gives unto us, each one of us, grace. And the first thing you need to know is that grace in that context absolutely means unmerited favor in the way that we sometimes immediately think of grace. But it also means in that context, when we know that we're about to start talking about gifts and what God wants to do among us and in our community, we know also that in addition to grace meaning the unmerited favor of God, it also means that God has enabled you It means it's God's means by which of empowering you. And the first thing that you need to know from Ephesians chapter 4 that we're looking at together tonight is that you can make it and you can do it. Whatever God has called you to do and whoever God has called you to be, hear me in the Holy Ghost tonight, you can do it. You can make it. God has given you the grace by which to do it, and I'm talking about his unmerited favor, and I'm also talking about the power that he's enabled you and empowered you to possess. You can do this. Maybe you've heard us this past month speak at length about the care team's ministry. Maybe you've heard us on Wednesday nights teaching, discussing spiritual gifts, And you found yourself in the past 30 days maybe wondering if all that stuff is really for you. Maybe perhaps you've even signed up for a care team. Perhaps you've even taken notes on a Wednesday night as we teach about the spiritual gifts. But tonight I want to persuade you in the Holy Ghost that this is for you. Let me talk to the person just for a moment tonight that you've been setting for the last 30 days and hearing us discuss the plans to minister to this community. And you've been hearing us teach and discuss the ways that God spiritually gifts the church and uses us to minister to one another and to be a witness to our community. And you've wondered... You've wondered, maybe you haven't verbalized it, but let me talk to the person that's wondered and thought, I'm not even sure if that's for me. I'm not sure if I'm in the right place. I'm not sure if I'm cut out for any of this. I don't know if God can use me. I want to talk to you today and tell you from the outset on a Sunday night in the Holy Ghost that you can make it, that you can do it, that this is for you and that God has called and gifted you for such a time as this. It is not an accident that you are here. It is not an accident that you are in this body. It is not an accident even that you are here on this Sunday night. God has his eye on you and this is for you turn to your neighbor and tell him it's for me turn to your other neighbor and tell him like you mean it it's for me let me ask you a question do you trust the word of God because on this point God's word is emphatically clear but to each one of us everyone say that's me to each one of us God has given us grace according to the measure of christ's gift if you trust the word of god you need to take him at his word just that one simple simple verse needs to be a landmark moment for you in your faith if you found yourself doubting you found yourself wondering and you found yourself wondering if you have a place god has enabled you and he has favored you for such a time as this There are no qualifications attached. He didn't say one type of person or people that are above a certain age or people that have been living for God for a certain number of years. He says to each one of us, God has given us grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. God's gift to you when he saved you was the grace, the church. That word grace doesn't just mean unmerited favor. It means enablement, empowerment. It may feel obvious, it may not feel worth saying at all, but these gifts we've discussed are spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. I know that's right there in the title and that's right there in the label that we use for them, but what God is calling you to do is spiritual. It's in the spirit. It's of the spirit. Let me say it another way. It's not powered by you. Life burdens us sometimes, and we get to the point. Maybe it hasn't been doubt. Maybe it hasn't been anything like that in your life, but maybe you've heard the teaching ministry and the preaching ministry and and the leadership talking about things this past month, and maybe it hasn't been any doubt on your part, but perhaps it's just been the fact that Life has caught up with you. Life burdens us sometimes and gets us to a place where we aren't sure if we have any fuel left. We aren't sure if we have any capacity for what God is calling us into. I don't know if I have the capacity. I don't know if I have the bandwidth to live and operate as a son or daughter of God. I've got so much on my plate. I've got these different trials. I've got these different pain points these sufferings i'm fighting off temptations left and right I'm fighting off bondages and things that are trying to keep me it's just the things of life that are causing you to hesitate about stepping into the fullness of what god has gifted and called you to do whatever it is and whatever label you might attach to it i want to tell you today that you can do all things through christ who gives you strength it's not about your power It's not about your personality. It's not about you really at all, except being a vehicle and a conduit, a vessel for what God desires to do. That was a New Testament example. Let me give you an Old Testament example, just so that, Brother Ben, you love the Old Testament. Let me give you, maybe this is just for us. This is just an Old Testament example. We love my mother loves that Philippians verse. Maybe, maybe I'll go to this verse and it'll be your favorite verse or maybe it'll become one of your favorite verses. There's a fourth word. You, you notice, I don't do this. This isn't me being cute, but it's all here in, in Ephesians chapter four. Grace, gifts, and growth. I, it was all there and it just worked. So I went with it. Maybe it'll help you. Maybe it'll just etch it into your mind and help you remember it. It's not me being cute. But if there was a fourth, if there was a fourth word that started with the letter G that I would throw in there that I feel like is in this text, even though the word might not appear, it would be the word grit. Grit. Because somewhere between grace and who knows what grit is? Grit means you got to want it. Grit means you got to stick to it. Grit means, come what may, I may not feel like it. I may feel like I'm not equipped for it completely, but I'm going to stick to it. I feel like there's some grit here in this passage. I feel like there's some grit in this church. People that say, you know what? I may have my doubts. And I may, not ha- I may feel like I've got my own shortcomings and I might not have the capacity or the bandwidth for it. But by golly, I see it in the word of God and I hear the leadership of the church talking about it. And I'm just going to respond in faith and get right into the middle of what God is doing in the earth in my hour and in my generation. I'm just going to make up my mind that whatever God's doing, I want to be right in the middle of it. That's why where I see in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I'm trying to paint a picture for somebody and just let you know beyond the shadow of a doubt. It's not about your personality and it's not about any powers that you have. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by his spirit. Lead the charge back to the homeland. It was a shambles. It was a disaster in Jerusalem. There was hardly anything left. Zerubbabel is tasked with leading this ragtag group of people back from captivity into Jerusalem, and he was going to be the resident governor of the territory, and he was going to be the one that oversaw the building project to rebuild the temple. Things got off to a strong start. How many of have ever started a project, and you're just going like setting the world on fire, right? Things are clicking. It's happening right we've all been there and then you hit a snag you're building something you measure something wrong you run short on some crucial supply got to make another run to menards and then another run and then another run and then menards doesn't have what you need and you got to go to another place Preaching to myself a little bit. Everything was going so well for Zerubbabel. And then things started to get messy. Then there was an obstacle. Then there was another obstacle. There came a point where God had to stand before Zerubbabel and remind Zerubbabel that it wasn't going to be by might and it wasn't going to be by power And it wasn't going to be because he was a great administrator, and it wasn't going to be because he was the smartest guy in the territory, and it wasn't going to be because of who he was related to, and it wasn't going to be because of how strong he was or how great of a leader he even was. It was going to be by the Spirit of God that this was going to come together and bring success. I want, before I move on, to say it one more time. You can do this. I've been on grace this whole time, and there's a reason for that. It's foundational. You need to understand. God has called you. God has, if I, use, if I turn it into a verb, he has graced you. He's enabled you. He's empowered you. And you can do it, but it's not going to be because of you. It's going to be by his spirit. These are spiritual gifts. These are spiritual callings. It's something that is going to happen in the spirit. You can do it in Christ, in the spirit, for you. It's at about this point in the passage of Ephesians 4 that it stops being about the whole church. And it starts being about individuals. And it's right here at verse 8. This is just the way the Holy Ghost works. It's right here at Ephesians 4:8 that what I've preached the last several weeks intersects with what we've been talking about about gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 says, When Jesus ascended to heaven, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean, but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also, also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. This is something that the church has confessed for centuries, thousands of years, that when Jesus uh, was crucified and died and went into the tomb for three days, there was a period where Jesus descended into the Lord. He descended into the grave. The grave meaning not just a literal hole in the ground, a tomb, but he descended into the grave. He went to that place that we sometimes call hell or Hades or the Old Testament will call Sheol it's the place of the dead Jesus went to that place and it says that when he descended to that place that he did a powerful work there he descended into that place of the dead and he ran as it were because he was victorious already and he was about to come back up out of that grave out of that place of the dead and assume his place at the throne of heaven And the scriptures teach us in Ephesians chapter 4 that when he descended and then ascended, that it means that Jesus is the victor. Jesus is the champion. Jesus is the conqueror. He has the right to give gifts. You can think of it this way. Think of it as spoils of war. The one who wins the battle has the right to give away all the spoils of war. And who else does Jesus take and give the spoils of war to but his children, the church. He gives it to us. He gives us powerful gifts. And he led a, a parade of triumph and victory through the grave. And I don't know a stronger way. Maybe, maybe that's the first time that visual has ever entered your imagination. And I'm trying to give you a moment to let that sink in for a moment without getting out into the weeds. But I don't think there's a single thing that I can say that is a stronger way to persuade you today that you can do it, that you can live your God-given calling than to point to what Jesus did at Calvary and how he won total victory over death, hell, and hell. If he marched through the place of the dead and ran a victory parade through there and came out victorious on the other side, I'm here to tell you that no matter what comes your way you can make it. There is no enemy that is so great that your God can't conquer. We sing about it sometimes. He came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave. From the grave to the sky. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus is about to ascend. He's already descended. He's come back to the place where we mortals live our lives. And now he is about to ascend to heaven. And Jesus calls his disciples, his closest disciples together again. And in Matthew 28, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority and power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He makes that statement of fact and then he commands them, Go ye therefore... And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Apostle Paul says of the book of Romans he says Jesus Christ our Lord who was born of the seed of David. That's the message we heard this morning that Simon Peter rose and preached at Pentecost. Jesus Christ who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power. He has all power and authority and because he has beaten death hell in the grave and he has all power and authority i'm teaching maybe doctrine right now but he has the ability he has the right to distribute gifts to the church gifts to you callings to you purpose in your, whereas before humanity had to look down this long hallway that always ended in death and there didn't look like there was any hope. It's difficult to see purpose when you're faced with that kind of reality. But now we know one who went ahead of us to the grave and marched a victory prayed through hell and he came back victorious and now he's brought you the spoils of war and it's called purpose and it's called calling and it's called giftings in the Holy Ghost talking about grace and i'm talking about gifts. Jesus has been given all authority and power in heaven and on earth. And maybe the greatest way of all that that fact is demonstrated is when Jesus gives gifts to the church for ministry. I'm going to repeat something i said about a month ago whenever i was preaching from this same chapter. Your God-given identity and your calling and gifts are not something to be intimidated about. This world is out there doing whatever they want to do. Saying whatever they want to say. Pushing whatever agenda and ideology that they want to push. And they're doing it 100 miles an hour, 24 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Nonstop on every channel, on every platform. There's no relief from it. And I'm here to give you as though you needed permission in the Holy Ghost today. You don't have to be intimidated to be a Christian. You don't have to be intimidated about being a son or a daughter of God. You don't need to be intimidated about being a called person, a gifted person, a person who's walking in the Holy Ghost. God has graced you to do it. God has gifted you to do it. Don't allow the adversary to turn out your light. Don't allow the and into a corner. You don't have to subject yourself to the spirit of fear that's trying to ravage this world and keep anyone that's a person of faith from standing up and saying anything. I'm not saying you have the right to be obnoxious, but you do have the right to be bold. You don't have to be obnoxious and unkind, but you can be bold and clear about who you are. You don't have, the the scriptures say when they testified of what happened with Jesus, these things didn't happen in a corner. We're not going to have revival in a corner. We're not going to see a harvest, a spiritual harvest in our generation if we decide to do it in a corner. We're going to have to step out of where we are with boldness from the Holy Ghost, and say, you know what? I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. God's given me grace. He's given me unmerited favor. He's given me power, and he's enabled me to live this life, and so I, by the grace of God, am going to live this life. That's why Paul, when he writes in Ephesians chapter 4, the very first scripture he says I urge you to walk worthy of the calling that you've been called to. He's saying you need to put away the intimidation, you need to silence the fear, and you need to get a singular focus about being bold after the things of God. Not time to shrink back. It's time to step up. I know I'm preaching to some folks this evening who agree with what I'm saying because I know I know that there's Bible studies that have happened, that are happening. I know that there's outreach initiatives that are in the works that are already happening. I rejoice. I know maybe you don't have access to the, the hotline, but there's things that come across my radar on a weekly basis. Brother Dustin, I'm talking to this person. Brother Dustin, pray for me. I've got a Bible study set up with this person. Brother Dustin, we've got an outreach initiative set up here. We're going to start here soon. Be in prayer over us. There's thi- Brother Dustin, I've, I've been inviting this person. They say they're going to come. They say they're going to go out to lunch with me. It might be an open door. I feel like God's opening a door in this place, in my family, in my workplace, at my school campus. I feel like there's an open door in this place. And there's things happening. I know... I know those things don't just happen on accident. I know there's individuals under the sound of my voice that you agree, not just mentally, but you agree in your lifestyle with what the word of God preaches and teaches to us. I know these things are happening, and it means that we are in the process of growing and becoming even more healthy. And I honor you tonight for walking where we're growing. And the measure of your growth is how you are becoming like Jesus Christ. God has given the church different types of ministry leaders. You heard us read it. You may have read it yourself when we read this passage together in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. There's different kinds of ministry leaders that God gives the church. I plan to teach on that in some detail on this Wednesday evening. But these ministry leaders and the things that God gifts us with, it helps us grow. Helps us grow individually. It helps us grow collectively as a group. One of those offices in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 is that of a pastor and shepherd. Let me give you some pastoral perspective on what I'm teaching and preaching this evening because a pastor each one of those offices in the fivefold ministry in Ephesians 4 has a distinct role and something that they bring to the church as a gift from the Lord and one of the things that a pastor does is protects and I want to put you on alert and give you perspective that there was a threat that lingers from the first century when this was written all the way to present day there's a threat there's a threat And it's not an imagined threat that I conjured up this week to try to develop some kind of hysteria or frenzy or something and get us all worked up. But it's something that the Word of God teaches us. It's right here in the Word. One of the top ways that the adversary wants to tear down the church is false doctrine. The adversary wants you to be confused and the adversary wants you to be unclear. That for that reason, for that reason, you need to walk in what I've been preaching, that power of grace and that God-given calling. Because Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14 admonishes us, says there's a threat that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. One of the adversary's top ways, if I'm to be the watchman on a wall and tell you that there's a threat, one of the top ways that the adversary wants to diminish the influence of the church is through false doctrine and confusion ought to live. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard the saying before, That it's really hard, I think I shared this with you the other day, we were talking about something, and they say it kind of tongue in cheek, but they say it's really almost impossible to get somebody to understand something when their job depends on them not understanding it. You understand what I mean? You try to explain something to someone and they're like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't get it, I don't get it. It's like, well, if, if you did get it, you'd have to change the way you're doing your job. So it's really to your benefit that you don't get it. So you're kind of just playing games with me right now. Sometimes, God help us, sometimes we can do things like that with the word of God. When we know that our flesh is more comfortable, pretending like we don't get it, like we don't know what's it's I'm just full of tricks tonight, so I'll share a Mark Twain quote with you. Mark Twain said, It's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that keep me up at night. He's like, it's the parts of the Bible I do understand that kind of work me over. The adversary would like to convince you that I don't know. I don't know. I'm just pastoring for a second. I don't know if that's clear enough for me to gray area to me. It's almost always the adversary. It's almost the adversary trying to compromise your convictions. It's almost always the adversary trying to water down your doctrine. And it's almost always your adversary with not his eye on you, but his eye on your children and your grandchildren. I've preached about it before. He plays the long game. He plays the long game. One of, you know what one of the most effective ways to eliminate weeds is? I'm not – who has a nice yard? Just go ahead and put your hand up. Who's got a Brother Turner. You've got a great yeah, – yard, Brother D. Yeah, Brother Hunt. Yeah, some people – I mean, yeah. If you've got a good yard, if you've got a nice yard, okay. I've heard – I don't have, like, yard of the year. I'm not going to be on the front of any magazines. But I've heard from people that know, and I've trusted them, that one of the most effective ways to eliminate weeds out of your yard is to do things that encourage positive growth of what you want to see growing. So if let me say it like this if you want to see the weeds become fewer as it grows, brother Brother Beecher, it will choke out the weeds. Instead of going hunting for the weeds and trying to to knock all them out, they say your time and your resources are better served. You guys didn't know you were going to get this tonight, did you? Your time and your resources are better served in doing things to cultivate the kind of growth you're wanting to see. See how we're coming back? We're coming back. We're back at growth now. We're out at Mark Twain. We're out at these other places. Now we're back at growth. You see how we did that? The right kind of growth will help deal with the wrong kind of growth. We all have some of the wrong kind of things that start to sprout up in our life, don't we? just real talk for a minute we live in this world we get burdened with things we've got trials we've got different things temptations we're swatting away we've got things that we encounter we've all got things that occasionally they just start to sprout up in our life and we have to deal with them amen and the key is what's the best strategy to deal with that how do i grow that's that's the end game here the end game is growth we want to grow you want to grow You want to grow in your faith? You want to see your children growing up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? You want to be a a part of a growing church? You want to be a part of a growing movement and family of God? You want to be a part of something that's, that's on the move? Good spiritual growth is essential to your survival. You have to be growing. We've said it before. If you're not growing, you're dying. It's true of plant life. It's true of animals. It's true of us. If we're not growing then we're going the other direction. What I've been ministering tonight and what I've even been teaching about for a month is that the kind of growth, seeing that God has graced us, that God has given each of us gifts, callings, and that God is working all things together so that we might grow, that plan and that way of living is not optional for a Christian. It's not an accessory onto the Christian life. It's not something that you're a born-again person and then once you're born again and you've been living for the Lord for a little while, you've got a crucial decision to make. Am I going to am I going to be the kind of Christian that, eh, just kind of sets the cruise and just tries to stay right until Jesus comes back, keep from doing all the big, bad stuff? Or am I going to be the kind of Christian that goes all in, and that decides, you know what God's called me? God has a plan for my life. Is this? Which kind am I going to be? And I would submit to you today that's that's a false dichotomy. There's only one kind. <laughs> there's only one kind, and there's the kind that lives the life. That the Apostle Paul has outlined here for us in Ephesians chapter 4. Where there's an awakening that happens. That I've been given something by God. And he's called me into the kingdom for such a time as this. And I'm going to walk worthy of the vocation and the calling that I've been called into. And I'm going to do it so that I can grow. I'm going to do it so that my family can grow. I'm going to do it so that I can be a part of a growing, thriving church. If you're going to make it, it's going to be because you're growing. Sometimes, listen, sometimes it's explosive growth. Sometimes it's exponential growth. Brother Sean, sometimes it's incremental growth. Hear me tonight. No matter what rate you're growing at during the season that you're in, just make sure you're growing. Hear the preacher tonight. Just make sure you're growing. God desires that you grow. God is setting things up so that you can grow. Make sure you're growing the musicians would come. The leadership of our church is doing our best to make sure that this is an environment for growth. I don't minister all the time on Sunday night, so I hope this is okay. We've we've all probably heard it said that the church is a hospital of sorts for the broken and the sick and the ones that need that kind of emergency spiritual care. Certainly, I wouldn't argue that, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, that the church can't have that function and that role. But I, I also want to present a vision of the church as not just a spiritual emergency room, but as a greenhouse we are a spiritual growth center. I don't mean that that sounded like new age stuff. But you know what I mean. We're a place where you can come and you can grow in your relationship with God. And where if you're not growing in your relationship with God, honestly, you should be in the minority. And we need to bandage you. Hear my heart. I want folks from all walks of life, all experience levels with God, to be able to join us and start growing, to just bandage somebody up and send them on their way. I want you to discover, (laughs) I want you to discover that you have muscles that you forgot you had. (laughs) Spiritually. (laughs) <laughs> don't get scared I want us to be growing I want our loved ones that are yet to come into the church but Sanders, I want them to come into an environment like this and to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that once I get well I'm gonna grow God's not content to just bandage me up and give me a band-aid and and just get me back to neutral and leave me there but i'm going to start advancing i'm going to start taking territory i'm going to start tearing down strongholds in my life i'm going to start taking those things that i've been bound to and those strongholds that have set themselves up in my and those lies that the adversary has told me and i'm going to start to tear those things down and i'm going to see god start to put new things into my life and i'm going to grow my heart, I hope you hear my heart tonight I hope you hear my heart what an opportunity we have in this age, in this day that we live in to help people get acquainted with the absolutely endless possibilities of Christ far beyond any kind of life that they've known, any kind of place that they've looked for answers whether it was in relationships or uh, Abuse of substances Or any, money, career, achievement Wherever their life has led them And they've looked for fulfillment And they've looked for purpose And they've looked for meaning And they've even looked for salvation Something that's going to fill that empty place in their life I so desperately want And I so desperately believe That this is that place Where that place is filled And where we grow together The events of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and then his ascension, and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, opened the door and enabled us and empowered you to receive your calling, to live in your calling, and for us to grow together. I'm talking tonight about grace, gifts, and growth. Stand with me if you would. The altar call, and the the thing that I feel to do in prayer, this evening is going to look a little bit different, and it's going to involve everybody. Here's what I'd like us to do. I'm going to leave it a certain amount of it up to you, but I would like us to make some circles and link up in prayer tonight. Maybe, maybe you do it by section. Maybe you and and become a part of that. There's a couple people that will come to you. I don't want anyone to be alone. Anyone to be uh, isolated tonight. But I want us to, to circle up here in just a moment. I want us to bind together in unity, just as a sign of unity and say, you know what? This is something we do together. This is, some, this is who we are. And here's the three things that I want you to pray over one another. I know this is gonna be a little different and that's, that's on purpose because sometimes we can get into a routine of, of doing things a particular way and something about our mind just decides to go on autopilot. Maybe I'm the only one. Something about our mind just decides to put it on autopilot. Here's the three things that I think needs to be the areas of our focus in prayer tonight. I want you to pray for one another. Lord, renew that grace in me. Give me fresh confidence and fresh faith that I can do it. I can do it by the power of your spirit. The second thing is I want you to pray, God, stir up that gift. Stir up the gift that's in my brother and sister. We're going to pray this over one another. And then third, God, let us grow. Pray over their family. Pray over them. And pray over collectively all of us as a church. Can we start to break off and can you form some circles right now? Maybe it's in the section of seats that you're at. It might be a big circle. It might be a small circle. But make sure there's five, six people. Make sure it's not just two people. You can do it in the areas. And I want you to start. Just let there be a voice of prayer that rises up in this house. And say, God. I need you to stir up the gift. That's in. Lord, I need a renewal of that confidence, that faith that says, I can do this. This is for me. I've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. God, I pray that you would stir up the gift that's in my brother or my sister. Lord, that you would st- Lord, you've called them. You've gifted them. They're a member of this body. Lord, I speak confidence over them. In the name of Jesus, I speak destiny over them and a prophetic word over them that that gift that may have laid dormant, it's going to come alive in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would renew us, God, in the grace and power of the Holy Ghost. Come on. there's pra- I, hear the, I hear the sound of prayer in this place right now. Come on, I see some that are that are starting to pray in the Holy Ghost. I see men that are gathered together. Brothers that are laying hands on one another and saying, I believe in you. I'm standing with you. There's power in our unity. Come on, we're going all the way back to the beginning of what we talked about tonight. None of this is possible without unity. Oh continue to do that right now in this place you're speaking words of life over somebody they need to hear you say it they need to hear the words oh god this is a growing place this is a growing place this is a place where we take back territory this is a place where strongholds come down This is a place where we win the victory. This is a place where we tune into the voice of God and we get rid of the voice of, come on, right now in this place, we're we're doing it right now. There's renewal happening right now. If you need to circulate around the room, find somebody else, lay hands on them. Just don't, don't, don't be dormant. Don't go stagnant. Find somebody, link up with them in prayer. Find somebody that's of another age, group, and generation. Find somebody to link up with and encourage them in the Lord. Speak a word of faith over them. Pray over them. Come on, sisters, find a sister. Brother, find a brother. Maybe someone you're not related to, somebody you didn't come to church with tonight. Find that person. Speak life over them. Renew us, O oh God. So God. Oh, that's it. I see sisters praying together right now. Woo! Come on, somebody's making a difference. for Somebody's making a difference right now. Somebody's receiving the ministry that's exactly what they needed. It's when the body ministers to the body. What every joint supplies unto the edifying of itself in love. Come on. This is what happens when there's love that's starts-